1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of the Yukon Pod. Uh, this Yukon Pod is going to be different from all of the previous episodes in that we'll have some ads from our partners at Vox Media. Okay, thank you for that. So, we have a lot of UConn athletics news to cover. Uh, the men's hockey team just completed its regular season, uh, ending with a bang. The women's basketball team just wrapped up the AAC tournament, and men's basketball has wrapped up its regular season with the AAC tournament on the way. We'll start with hockey. Connolly, uh, looks like the ice bus had a nice, uh, promising end to the season.
2: Yeah, they got pretty much as good of an ending as you can ask for short of pretty much winning a national championship. They beat number two UMass in their season finale at home. It was the highest ranked opponent UConn's ever beaten. The previous high was number three. They've never played a number one team, so it was the highest possible opponent they've ever beaten. And the post-game atmosphere was pretty unique because they knew they were already eliminated from the postseason and they had known that for a few games. But one of the seniors mentioned that usually your season ends with a tournament loss and you're so upset about losing that like all the emotions kind of hit you about playing your last college hockey game ever and never playing a UConn again. But even though they didn't make the tournament, which is the ultimate goal, they finished on arguably the best win in program history. So it was It was a really special day for the program. The crowd was phenomenal. I think the uh, announced attendance was 5,000, which for a team that had been eliminated for a few games and for fans that hadn't really been showing up earlier in the season, it was pretty incredible because it was like 95% UConn. It wasn't like a bunch of UMass fans came down. They ended the season strong to begin with. Once Mike Cavanaugh, switched from Adam Huskin goal to, to Tomasz Vomajka. Things really changed. UConn went five and two in Vomajka's last seven starts. They played their best hockey of the of the year. They were competitive with every single team they played, including UMass in there, Providence. They just kind of seemed like they flipped a switch and they we're just firing on all cylinders down the stretch. And as Kavanaugh said, if there was another month in the season, that they probably find a way into the hockey's tournament because that's how good they were playing. But there was still a lot to get excited about down the final stretch. The top freshman that came in, Ruzlan Asakov, just made some unbelievable plays down the stretch. He can handle a puck as good as anyone I've ever seen. He can beat an entire defense if he wants to. Sometimes it just looks like he's toying with defenses when he's out on the ice. Like one time he made this phenomenal move but lost the puck before he made a pass, immediately stole it back, put a pass between his legs behind him to a streaking Johnny Evans, I believe. Evans gave it, who is another freshman, Evans gave it to another freshman, Yakim Kandelik, Kondalik gave it right back to Evans for the give and go goal. It was probably the goal of the year. Evans and Asakov were phenomenal down the stretch. They were just pretty much scoring at will on defenses. So there's really a lot to be excited for, for hockey next year, because just some of the development that a lot of these freshmen and, and even some of the upperclassmen had was huge and not to undersell what they did, but they're only losing three seniors, which isn't a lot. And they've They had a gigantic freshman class and all of them played pretty much. So this team has a chance to be competitive in hockey's next season.
0: Yeah. And Dan, they're also losing, uh, the former starting goaltender, like you mentioned, Adam Huska, who uh, signed with the Rangers on an entry level contract a few, uh, just about a day after, uh, the Husky season came to an end. So it was an interesting career at UConn for, for Huska. Um, he had flashes where he looked incredible, uh, he spelled Rob Nichols and, and even took over the starting job at, at points last season um, and as a freshman. So it was kind of a, a weird up and down career. Um, you could definitely see the flashes of why he was, you know, a, a coveted Rangers prospect, but um, yeah, he's onto greener pastures and is going to try his hand at the professional level. And he will still be in Hartford with the Wolfpack, but um, this time getting paid to play.
2: Yeah. And I think him going pro was kind of a win-win Thing because he wasn't going to be the starter next season. He really kind of struggled this year. He led in a lot of soft goals. uh, Was just really for some reason didn't have it. But now he gets to play for money. Vomazka's going to be the starter, so I think it's pretty good that he's going to the Wolfpack.
1: All right, hot, hot take time. What What do you give me your quick prediction for how next season ends?
2: Well. I'm um, notably great at doing these predictions. Please know and look up my women's soccer predictions article, but I think they're kind of like a mid table hockey's team. Eight teams make the playoffs. I think they can be like a five, maybe a four seed if things go well. I, I also could see them really catching fire and making a huge jump next year and competing for maybe number two or three, but I think there would need to be some divine intervention for them to be competing to win the Hockey East, at least next season. And I think next year they finally break through and get that elusive postseason win. And I think they get two TD Garden for the Hockey semifinals, but they don't actually win it.
0: Yeah, Dan, I think they're probably still a year away from being a serious Hockey East contender, like you said. But um, no, I think this team with the talent that they have, even though it's young, uh, if they don't make the Hockey East playoffs as, you know, like you said, a, a five, six seed season um, season's going to be a failure. So uh, definitely you can sense the expectations kind of changing, um, especially with Kavanaugh bringing in more and more premier talent. And um, in two years, when that kind of coveted freshman class that Kavanaugh brought in this year matures and starts to kind of hit their prime, gets a little bit more comfortable at the college level. Uh, this could be a dangerous team and certainly one of the best the huskies have have ever had in their program history
1: are are is, is are those freshmen uh all gonna stay through their junior senior year do we you know how do we feel about you know projecting that
2: i personally am not really that confident in knowing when guys will stay and won't but I think at least Ruslan Asakov, uh, who I believe is the only 18-year-old freshman on the team, I think he at least stays through his junior season because he's insanely talented, but he's still pretty raw. So I think he'll need some time to mature. Maybe some of the other guys like uh, Hakeem Kondalik might leave as a sophomore, but I think they'd really have to have like a, a breakout breakout like Tage Thompson um Maxim Latunov type season to go and which would make 2020 2 years from now uh really kind of a point where this program can take the next step and Ruslan Asakov can really start giving uh opposing teams nightmares when he becomes the best player in program history.
1: Oh wow. There it is. On on the record Daniel Connolly. Nice. Um, all right, so uh, moving on, the UConn men's basketball team ends a season of, I mean, I want you know, I think all season we had been saying like ups and downs. Looking back, it's more like one up, a bunch of downs, a few false ups, and then a down. Uh, but you know, nice to see Jalen Adams uh, get get the UConn jersey back on and playing that season finale. Uh, you know, nice solid win at East Carolina. Uh, f- feels good to to get that W. Uh, the Huskies had had a rough rough go of it uh, after Adams went down with an injury. Um, they've got USF on. Thursday, as they kick off the AAC tournament. Folks, how do we feel about this team right now?
2: I was on the record, or I don't know if I was on the record, but I said to plenty of people that I thought Jalen getting injured, not that I wanted to see him get injured, but I thought that that injury would be of benefit to the team, both short-term and long-term. And I actually didn't realize they were 1-7 without him. But I, I still stand by that. I think a lot of that had to do with Al Tariq also got hurt in that same stretch. So they were without their two top players, but I really just, I don't know. I didn't like the way Jalen was playing. I thought he was maybe a little too selfish with the ball. The team maybe looked to him a little too much to try and carry the load. And then when he went down, other players kind of had to come out and emerge and the Tyler Pollys and the Josh Carlton's, guys that maybe wouldn't have been carrying the scoring load if they had Jalen out there, suddenly had to take it on. And I think for this team moving forward, the fact that they had to do that is a really good thing. But I was happy to see Jalen back because he's been through a lot with this program. And however your feelings are on him, he he's he's put up with a lot because for The last two years of Ali's tenure, he was the best player on a team that really didn't have a whole lot of talent besides him. And especially with all the injuries, he really had to carry the team at times. I remember in 2015-16, he had that ankle injury and he was fighting through the ankle injury all year. And it was really gutsy. And he's always kind of shown a pride in being able to play for UConn. And he had that quote where he said he wanted to put the jersey back on And the way he played against East Carolina was phenomenal. If he played like that all season, I think UConn's record would look a little different where he was being the scorer when he needed to be, but he was also being a facilitator and getting the other guys involved and really just lifting up the entire team instead of... And it was Jalen Adams with four other players instead of Jalen Adams and four other players. So I... I think if he can play like that in the American tournament, I don't think they'll make it run, but I, I think at least they can win a game and maybe make the game against Houston competitive.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it was pretty interesting to see Jalen, uh, come back. Cause Dan, like you said, it, it's been a pretty wild, uh, career. And I, I think missing time of in that injury was kind of a humbling experience for him. Just, you know, like anyone in their, their last year of college, kind of seeing the writing on the wall and, and everything that's coming down the pipeline. And, um, he, he definitely came out inspired and you could tell like just from the way that he was playing, there was a lot, lot more energy and passion. Not that he didn't hustle before, but, uh, it just seemed like there's a lot more emotion behind how he was playing. And I think, you know, he fed off that and his teammates fed off that too. And, uh, Polly and, and Carlton in particular, definitely had made good strides, um, with him out. I'm not sure if that's, you know, a coincidence or not, but it's, it's, you know, they've definitely gotten better since the middle or even the beginning of the season. So, uh, Polly and Carlton both had great, great performances against ECU. The is, was, you know, chipping in and doing what he's been doing. Um, I think this team is, you know, they're I don't think they're going to win the whole thing. I don't, I kind of think Dan, what you're saying is the most logical thing where they, you know, win it, win a game and then, you know, give Houston a hard time, but, but lose, um, they're just in a tough matchup with, with their bracket, but, uh, you never know. I mean, with, with Jalen playing, if Jalen plays like he did against East Carolina for the AAC tournament and Alteric is healthy, um, it'll be hard to count this team out. And I think the games will be at a minimum, very exciting to watch.
1: Yeah. I think if, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, it's funny to think about how hype, uh, UConn Twitter will get if, they uh, like comfortably beat USF by eight, and <laughs> and are just like heading into a game against Houston, going, you know, I feel good about this one, and uh, I mean, look, a, an upset of that magnitude is not unprecedented, and there are reasons to believe UConn is better than, you know, the way UConn is is better than its six, you know, fifteen and sixteen record, um. And, and it's tough, you know, again, the, the team could never be fully healthy at once. There was an alter injury. There was a James injury. Um, with Adams, it, it, it is really complicated with him because, you know, we can we can talk about his shortcomings right now, and, and we, we have discussed them. We have been kind of critical of him. Um, but – he also stuck with the team while like six dudes left the roster in an offseason um, and was really about trying to make that you know make this UConn team happen and those guys here and uh, you know they were they were dark times for the program and a guy that talented had his outs. I, I would imagine. I would have to imagine. I don't know that, um, but I, I would have to imagine there were there were voices suggesting he look elsewhere across these past. Three seasons, uh, you know, at least. Um, so, and and he's going to end his UConn career with some very strong numbers and a very you know impressive set of placements across you know different top ten lists for you know points and assists and all that kind of stuff. So, um, he was a very very good player for UConn. Uh, he didn't have enough help around him while he needed to develop. Also. Uh, So that's something to consider. And then, you know, we do know this, that his head coach gave him a really long leash. Um, And, you know, again, is that, is that on him necessarily? There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that really complicates the, the like discussion around his legacy and and career around UConn. Kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. I I agree with the point on Ali. I think, it was almost a detriment that Ollie gave him such a long leash because I think if you really nailed down the problems that Jalen had in his career, I think a lot of them had to do with um, some immaturity. And, like, this year Hurley didn't let any of that fly. Obviously, he got suspended early in the year. Um, he, he got chewed out in the media by Hurley more than a few times. And I think if he got that when he was a sophomore, it really would have reined him in a little more. And like, like Madigan just said, this injury humbled him. And if he got humbled two years ago, I think things might've turned out a little different, but ultimately, like you said, Amon, he stayed here. And what you always want in a recruit, even if they don't necessarily pan out on the basketball court is you want a guy that loves being at UConn and, is proud to represent the school. And I think you can pretty easily say that Jalen's been that type of guy. I mean, he's always taken pride in um, just playing for this program. And he's always been, as someone who's been in the student section a lot, he's always been great, um, like coming through the student section, getting them hyped up, thanking them. So I, I think he that's a good way to remember him is staying when just so many people left.
1: And and it's not like you know he was he was um you know immaturity he had that scooter incident obviously but it's not like he was hiding a rap sheet and and you know Kevin Ollie was covering that up you know so it's it um as far as we know mostly benign tomfoolery from Jalen Adams and he just wasn't uh, the kind of uh, just standout, brilliant lead guard that we've had the pleasure of seeing multiple times as UConn fans. So um it's a you know it's it's a tough bar uh, to ask of an incoming guard to to be, you know, you must be this memorable for for us to really remember you know, for us to really put you in that pantheon and really love and embrace you widely. Um, you know, which is which is not going to happen for him. Um you know, despite the you know everything we're talking about about loyalty and o- overall, he's he's a very good basketball player. So, um, unique unique career arc that that uh, it's it's hard to think of someone who's who's comparable to that. Almost like Jerome Dyson.
2: Yeah, I feel like they have similar. They'll probably have a similar legacy where they're kind of a polarizing figure for yeah. debates in so the future.
1: Jerome Dyson went to a. A fu- it played on a final four, te- you know, Jerome Dyson played on a team that was a top 10, you know, ranked team and all that stuff. So. Yeah,
2: but I, I don't think, it, if you switch Jalen and Jerome Dyson, how much different is, like, it's not like you put Jalen on the 2009 team and they're not a good team. I think it's more about yeah, that's right. what was around Jalen than what Jalen did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe he pulls off, like, a Kemba AAC tournament and gets them to the postseason or the NCAA tournament. And this entire conversation is
0: null and void. Yeah, it's it's just tough. The thing with, again, well, for Jalen is that a lot of his numbers are better, but it goes back to he played on a lot of garbage teams and was the only person that could score the basketball, you know, more than five or six times a game. So it's like, it's kind of a, it's just a weird, like you said, Amon, he's just a a divisive figure, not in like a, you know, a bad way, but it's just people are going to have very different opinions of him because of how the team's performed versus his personal performance. And, you know, that's totally fair, but yeah, I mean, I, some of it I think is just him coming from, you know, following in Shabazz's footsteps as, you know, another guard from Roxbury, uh, really highly recruited out of high school. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, I think he was he's a really good player um, or, you know, a pretty good player, but he, you know, definitely underperformed a little bit and he wasn't going to be Shabazz or Kemba. I think everyone kind of expected that, but it was just not really logical to assume.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I think he has the potential. I'm not I'm not even being glib here, but like to have a good long professional career, not necessarily in the NBA, um but you know, maybe spend a few years in the G League and and you know, make a few million dollars in Europe. Um better than I did my first few years after college, so uh sh- should be pretty good. Um elsewhere on the team, we have some interesting developments. I think to me most notably the the this idea that maybe Christian Vital has fallen out of favor uh, Dave Borges wrote something in the New Haven register um, you know kind of trying to read between read read the tea leaves and and obviously noting that Vital's playing time had gone down a bit um, it was interesting because earlier in the season Hurley had had really seemed to go out of his way to talk about you know, Vital, he makes some bonehead plays, but I love his heart, I love his hustle. We need that. Um, you know, he's a he's a fan favorite. I know everyone on this this podcast really likes him uh quite a bit. And uh so I don't know. I was I was kind of surprised even though his playing time had gone down. I, I thought of it as like temporarily in the doghouse. I didn't think of it as not fitting into the program's plans for the future, but um, you know they David is certainly more plugged in than than us, so I don't know what what do you guys think about uh what Vital's role is and you know, where he stands with the team
2: yeah, I think the idea that maybe he's fallen out of favor at least to us is weird because the nothing on the court has been different. I mean it's still the same Christian Vital hustling after. Uh, loose balls, maybe taking some bad threes every once in a while, making boneheaded oh, mistakes oh. still. But uh, it must have been something that happened behind the scenes because I, I had heard something similar that Hurley wasn't really happy with Christian Vital and it wasn't just like a one-off thing. So it maybe it was something that happened in practice or – I remember he was really upset about the was it the SMU game where he didn't think the team hustled well enough and was a disgrace to the uniform or something like that. So maybe he put a lot of the blame on Christian for that. But it's just kind of weird because he has been that hard nosed, gritty, like street ball type player that his his entire career and from look on the outside looking and it doesn't seem like anything's changed
0: yeah it's it's definitely interesting i mean i i don't know i i've heard things you know that vital can be kind of a, a big personality um you know in practice or on the court and we can kind of see that i mean he's last year um especially but this year too he's had some moments where you know he's not afraid to draw with people on the other team and some of that you can chalk up as intensity, and some of that is, um, you know, just the way that he carries himself. But um, there's no questioning he's he's a, a very solid player, and he, he certainly made strides under Hurley. But um, I I don't think it's a serious issue. Uh, he's still playing a good chunk of minutes. Um, you know, he didn't start for four straight games, but uh, he still played against Temple. He played 37 minutes. Um, and against East Carolina, he returned to the starting lineup and played 33. Um, so he, he's seen a little bit of a dip. It was, you know, three games in a row Cincinnati, Wichita, and South Florida where he played under under 30 minutes. Um, but it could have just been something where, you know, maybe he was banged up in practice or maybe, you know, Dan, like you said, you know, something happened, uh, that came up. But I don't think it's like a serious issue. I think it's just one of those things where, um, You know, Vital's an upperclassman now. The season isn't going um, as well as I think some people expected. Not that we were a tournament lock, but um, I think it's pretty fair to expect a a winning record or above 500, uh, at least the players did, based on what kind of Hurley was setting his expectations. So um, I'm not super shocked to see kind of things go a little sour as the season came to an end, but... Overall, I think things will be fine, and it's just another learning experience for Vital heading into his senior season.
1: Yeah, so you know, for me, it's it's like we we reached a point this year where we were starting to look forward to next year, right? We say, okay, losses are stacking up. This is not this is not going to be a very good, uh, you know, or even um, expectation beating kind of season. Uh, we start to look forward to next year and we're thinking, okay, like, what do we have? We lose, we lose Jalen Adams. Vital as a senior is, is definitely something that you you see as that kind of a uh, anchor to that, to, to whatever we, whatever hope we have on next year's team, him and Alterique Gilbert. If, if the, the poor guy could stay, Slightly healthy for a few months uh, during basketball season, but and I'm I'm not blaming him for for uh, that, by the way. But um, uh, it, it, I do not want to, you know, I don't want to imagine what the team looks like next year without Vital. Um, you know, if if we're hoping for it to be an improvement from this year, and you know, really competitive in a way that's that's meaningful to us. Something we talked about at the beginning of this season was just the excitement was back. There were stakes around these games. We were talking about the tournament, you know, making the NCAA tournament. That that excitement, you know, needs to come back. The program and athletic department need that desperately. Um, So, you know, it'd be hard for me to imagine they'd find a way to replace what he brings, even if there is a little bit of... uh, you know, goofball behavior on and off the court that you need to deal with.
2: Do we think he comes back for his senior year, though? Because, I mean, when I've I've tweeted a couple things about Fatal and I've gotten, like, more than, like, a few responses where it seems like people are kind of expecting him to
0: go pro
1: because he, he
2: obviously tested he the look.
1: No, no, no,
0: he's I think he'll declare, I definitely think he'll declare um he'll declare, but if he declared last year, there's no reason why he shouldn't well, declare this he'll,
1: year. He'll test the waters to play or whatever, but there's if,
2: no reason for every single player on every roster not to declare in my opinion, but for,
1: yeah, sure yeah. exactly exactly i again, we all very much like and care for Christian Battel very much. he's not uh uh high level nba prospect. You know, nope. I, we, we don't have to be ashamed to say that out loud. Um
2: No, but I I don't think he ever will be. So, what if he realizes that doesn't maybe doesn't get along with Hurley, doesn't like him, is kind of sick of the whole going to class thing cuz same Christian and Yeah,
1: sure, same. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh He decides that he'd rather go play in uh, Lithuania and make some money for it than come back here for another year.
1: He doesn't even need to play in Lithuania. The G League is okay.
0: Yeah. And if he's sick of classes, he could just go transfer to North Carolina. True.
1: I was so sick. I almost left. (laughs) I don't know. um, This isn't about me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I almost left college early for a job that, didn't pay anything close to what basketball players make. So for no reason. Uh, anyway. I think, I think yeah. most
2: people had a different college experience than you, Amon, though.
1: Maybe. It's possible. Um, right. I, no, look, I, I agree that 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 path of, man, it's been three years. I don't care f- for being in school right now. I could finish my degree later. Um, let me just make some money. I'll, I'll play wherever and, you know, try and make it up somehow, some way, that's totally fair to me. Um, if that turns out to be the case, uh, I would not, I would not decry anyone for making that decision. Uh, so um, my, my, you know, that's, that's all whatever, you know, Christian Vitale's pro future will happen, whether it happens after next season, you know, after this season or after next season, I think what, you know, matters to me is will 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 Dan Hurley be the reason why he leaves? And then if so, how much better will a team that pushed out Christian Vital be next year? Uh, in a time where Yukon's again, t- t- you know, the time, time is slipping on the, on this. Um, I, and I know it's not on Hurley, but the fans are, you know, the, the fans are restless. And uh, if it's not a better season next year, It'll be tough. So,
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I hope Christian comes back next year. They're definitely a much better team with him. And I think the young guards like Gaffney and Boo Knight um, would benefit from playing with a guy like Christian, especially with Jalen leaving. And, I mean, Altarix kind of always feels like a question mark with his health, unfortunately. So he's really – and we don't know what Brendan Adams will be next year. So Vital would be able to come back and be the – just the – the sure thing at guard and i think next year they really need that
1: and another very uh i mean you know on the basket stay on the basketball team and on we'll end on a more positive note we've got the emergence of Josh Carlton folks um so carlton earned AAC's co-most improved player of the year he's a rock solid big man who is rebounding making plays what do we love most about this new and improved Josh Carlson?
2: I love the fact that he's better right now than he ever would have been under the last coaching staff. He the development that he's had from the beginning of the season to now is unbelievable cuz he he was he looked good at the beginning of the season. He looked good last year and he had some flashes last year and he looked good against the bad teams at the start of the season, but he's really coming together to be a complete package at, at center and his footwork's incredible. He's really shown a nice touch around the basket where he doesn't need to dunk it. He can put it in with layups. He, he seems to be limiting the dumb mistakes more and more as the season goes on. There's a lot to be excited about to the point where next year he can be not just a nice piece on the team, but one of the focal points of the team and be a weapon for UConn next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, the strides that he's made this year are incredible, especially for, you know, a a pretty unheralded prospect, kind of picked up, tacked on by Kevin Olley to kind of round out the class. And, um, you know, he's really, really just improved a lot under Hurley. I know TCF kind of tweeted this out, and I I think this is kind of a, a great stat to kind of put this in perspective of what he you know, has kind of molded into and what he could become going forward. So he had over 180 points, 130 rebounds and over 30 blocks in conference play. And I'll just name a few of the guys that have done that in the American, uh, Gary Clark, Diedrich Lawson, Taco Fall and Shaq Goodwin. So, um, you know those guys aren't superstars they're not going to be lottery picks or never were lottery picks but those are really solid players and especially when you consider what UConn's front court has been like for the past few years um, I think any UConn fan would take that kind of consistent production and possibly more in a heartbeat
1: the other, and the other thing is that next year he will hopefully be joining up with a cook a cook and um maybe, fingers crossed, another 2019 junior college or graduate training big man. And, you know, then we're looking at the overall team. We've got Alterique Gilbert, Christian Vital, Sid Wilson, Tyler Polly, Josh Carlton, maybe some other guys who might be able to contribute. Um, next year's team could be good. I guess is what we are. I is what, you know, I'm saying. As a result of being solid down, you know, being solid down low is so important. Something UConn hasn't really had in a while. Um, this could be the. This could be a, you know, makings of a really solid UConn front court for the next one two, one or two years. All right, now some more ads.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg.
1: Thank you, Vox Media, for those wonderful ads. We enjoyed them greatly.
2: That's my favorite ad that we just played.
1: In other very, very exciting news, the UConn women's basketball team breaking is good. They uh, just wrapped up the AAC tournament. Their sixth straight tournament win. Pretty ho-hum victory over UCF, if I do say so myself. Um. You know pretty impressive that the team was able to do what they did without Katie the Samuelson uh, however obviously there's a lot of talent uh, to, to waiting in the wings to kind of step up and replace that production uh, obviously anyone who's not been living under a rock knows that nafisa Collier has really emerged but I think uh, as we'll discuss some some others have as well but um, to start just take you know how do we feel after watching uh, the way the women's basketball team ran through the AAC field?
2: I thought it was great to see that without Samuelson, excluding the ECU game, which the first half was pretty ugly, but the, U, the two directional Florida games, if Lou was playing in those games, is the result much different? because they pretty much blew through both teams. Obviously the second half against UCF wasn't great in the championship, but I mean, they were up by what, like 25 at the half. Like it's easy to kind of excuse that as just taking your foot off the gas after three long, tough games where, you know, you UCF has no chance at making a comeback. Um, I thought it was definitely a really positive performance. The defense was a huge storyline they looked the defense looked horrible against ECU. They were letting ECU pretty much go shot for shot with Yukon in that first game. And then mm-hmm. Gino and then Gino said after the game yesterday that he pretty much it blew up on them and just lit into them for their defensive effort and they played much better in the second half. And then against USF they held USF to 5 points in the first quarter. 15 points at halftime, 45 points in the game. They held you see 45 points Gino hasn't been afraid to rip this team on its defense and it hasn't been a great defensive team there's been some defensive teams where when they're on it there's just nothing the other team's going to be able to do there's nothing they can do because the defense is so good when this this team isn't like that but their defense can be really really good and we saw that in I think a huge factor is Olivia Nelson Adota, the freshman center, six foot four, really long wingspan that emerged throughout the tournament. She started all four games at Samuelson's Mist. She had some flashes early in the season of looking solid against Notre Dame, against St. Louis. She kind of had a dip midway through her freshman year, which was expected. And she'd actually really been rising leading up to the ECU game and then really exploded in the ECU game with 17 rebounds. I think she had five blocks. She was just everywhere on the court. She completely changed the way UConn can play defense because pretty much everyone that I talked to said the same thing, is that they can be more aggressive because if they get beat, they know that the other team's not going to try and take it at Nelson Adota because she pretty much swats or alters every shot that comes into her orbit. So her emergence, especially on a UConn team, their three biggest question marks still are their lack of size, their lack of depth, and their defense. And Nelson Adota if she's on, she is checking off every single one of those boxes. So her coming out it was just huge. It was honestly the uh, you don't want to not have Samuelson, but her not being in there for those 3 games just will only help Yukon moving forward as long as she gets back healthy.
0: Yeah, and I I think, Dan, just going off kind of your earlier thoughts, I think we can kind of throw that ECU half out the window now, right, and kind of label that a fluke. I know it was a little shaky at first just because Samuelson wasn't there and we weren't totally sure how UConn would react with the tournament and the neutral site. Um, But no, I mean, I think the biggest key was just Nafisia Collier was just on another level. Um even even by her standard, she was just really unstoppable. She had you know thirty seven points against uh, East Carolina and then did twenty three and twenty five in the next two games and had more than twelve rebounds in all those games. And um you know she's obviously a, a really special player and one of a handful of the best players in the country. Um, but with Lou struggling a little bit from you know shooting the three this year, um, it's been different, and she's definitely had to pick up a little bit more of the offensive load. so, it's been cool to kind of see her do that. And then to see her kind of take it to another level uh, in the conference tournament with the NCAA tournament approaching uh, that was pretty impressive to see. And, you know, a definitely stepped up. I think she's going to be an important player as UConn faces some more size as they try to advance to the elite eight, you know, final four or the championship game and her length uh, and athleticism is going to be a problem, even though she's not necessarily as big as some of the other post players that UConn might see um, her wingspan and her shot blocking ability is already um, borderline elite and she can really make an impact even in a small amount of minutes.
1: So the Huskies will uh, wait a week. Uh, On Monday the 18th, they will find out their uh, NCAA tournament situation. Uh, We're expecting them to be the top seed in Albany. I don't think there's any... Right, we're not we're not expecting any deviation from there. I know it was the projections were had UConn at two earlier in the season, but I think UConn's top seed now, right?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it will depend on Samuelson. If something, if she's going to be healthy, then they hold the one. But if for some reason she's not going to be good to go, or uh, like something like that, I think they would slide them back to a two because that's how the committee does things. They base it on the team that UConn's going to have, not really their resume. So I think the only thing that would bump them to a two is if we got some um, something like that about Samuelson or if like, someone went down in practice or something like that, hopefully not. But I think they're pretty locked in as the one in Albany.
0: Yeah, and right now it seems like Samuelson, barring a setback kind of what you were saying, Dan, will be will be available to play in the ncaa tournament so it seems like they'll be kind of locked in as that one seed in the albany region but you're right um stranger things have happened and you know we won't know for sure until monday
1: so so going into the ncaa tournament how we're feeling about this team is we need we need samuelson to get healthy right uh that's that's obviously critical we need uh Nelson adota to keep uh keep, keep keep the solid play that she's had going across this later part of the season um you know I think we've also seen Megan Walker Christian Williams be really solid contributors at times uh especially with with Samuelson gone that's going to be beneficial across the, the NCAA tournament
2: Yeah, I thought Walker definitely looked or took on more of a load with Samuelson out. It looked like she was being more aggressive with the ball in her hands, going at the rim, shooting the ball. I'd still like to see a little more out of Kristen Williams. I still think she's being kind of tentative. I think she can do more, pick up more of the scoring load, but I also feel like she's a candidate to have a big breakout NCAA tournament. Just... Just by her, her whole demeanor. She just feels like the Notre Dame 29 points. She just feels like a big time player. And I think we see that in the NCAA tournament. And I also wouldn't sleep on Michaela Coombs. I think, even though she has struggled a lot throughout her first two years here, uh, I think she showed in the NCAA tournament that she does have a role on this team, that she can come in for five, 10 minutes at a time and Uh, give some of the guards some rest and play some disruptive defense and get in there, get some steals, get some rebounds, contribute two points here and there. Um, I think, I think she'll be part of the rotation and I wouldn't be surprised if she also maybe had a little bit of a breakout in one of the games.
0: Yeah. I mean, Dan, I I think Megan Walker is going to be an important player right now. She's the best three point shooter on this team, which, Uh, quite frankly, is something I never thought I would say with a team with Katie Lou Samuelson on it. But um, percentage-wise, she's the best and was shooting over 40% for a good chunk of the season. So um, if she can stay hot, that's going to be really important for this team. And um, same with Samuelson, if she can kind of come back and, you know, even if she's not 100% per se, if she can be able to knock down some some open threes and kind of regain her status as, you know, the most dangerous three-point shooter in the country, uh, that could be another big step. And, and lastly, with Nafisia at Mohegan, she kind of changed her game a little bit, especially against USF where she was stepping out and, and taking a lot more three pointers. So I believe she was three for four from the three point line against USF. So if that's something that she can do consistently uh, in the NCAA tournament, that adds a whole nother dimension to this entire UConn offense and, and makes her even more impossible to guard because she, Once she starts hitting those three, she'll have that first step to kind of drive to the basket, get fouled, take free throws. Um, Allows her to distribute and kick out to Walker and Samuelson for other open shots. So um, it'll be interesting to see if she continues to feel confident from the three-point line, which she hasn't really for most of her career. Um, If she can do that and hit those shots, UConn's going to be even more of a problem in the NCAA tournament.
1: I agree. I think it's amazing how complete of a player she is as a big. She's you know she can run the court well. She uh, she has she has good passing ability and uh, yeah has been showing a little bit of outside shooting range as well. So I mean, damn, Nafisa Collier has been has been crushing lately. There's no there's no other way to say it. Um, obviously the other the other thing UConn could could count on to make the run that it needs to kind of you know, to to win a what would be a surprising title to people. I think Yukon might not be people's first or second pick to win the title this year. Um would just be obviously Nafisa taking over uh while while Samuelson gets hot too and uh we see Nafisa just keep keep climbing the mountain and start uh destroying Oregon and Baylor and taking on uh those teams. So uh, I think Nafisa, we, we really kind of underrated her contributions maybe across her first few years. But uh, this is really a, a outstanding coming out that she's having uh, a, as she reaches the end of her career.
2: Yeah, I think this team is going to go as far as Nafisa carries them. And I, I think she's going to have just some gigantic game at some point in the tournament to push, push the team over the top. Like a thirty-point performance, like kind of like the ECU game, but just dominating in the biggest moment, hitting the big shots. I can just kind of feel that coming for. Her. And really, if lose healthy, I think if this team's on its game, the only team that could realistically beat them if UConn's on their A game, I think, is Notre Dame, because Notre Dame is looking really, really scary right now with the way they're playing they beat Louisville by 20 points in the AAC, ACC championship game.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess this is a little bit of a pie in the sky scenario, but couldn't you kind of see a similar situation with what happened with Jalen Adams happened with Katie Lou Samuelson, um, you know, missing some time, missing a few games in the AAC tournament, not being able to spend, spend that time on the floor with their teammates and, and coming back from the tournament and kind of kicking it up another notch and, trying to get to her, you know, her first national championship game um, that she would be able to play in. I mean, it sounds, I guess, a little weird at first, but it's one of those things where, you know, she's kind of talked about wanting to play in the title game before and something she hasn't been able to do since she missed it as a freshman due to, due to an injury. So, um, you know, she isn't going to be able to carry this team like Nafija just based on the way she was playing before she went down. But uh, if she can, Regain her shooting form and and be a, you know, a volume contributor like she has been in the past. Um, The Huskies might have enough to kind of take down one of those teams like Notre Dame or, you know, one of the teams they lost to in the regular season.
1: Who else? Who else are we worried about? Is there any, uh, you know, Notre Dame, uh, Connelly, you said was on top of your list. Uh, You're not worried about Louisville or Baylor?
2: Oh no, I think there's plenty of reason to worry about those two, but I think there's like paths to beating those teams. I obviously I think Baylor handled them pretty well against in in that loss, but I think Yukon's a much better team than they were then. I think the presence of Nelson Adota makes a big difference. I think even Collier's playing much better than she was at that point in the season. She was already playing very well. So I think they're beatable. I think what more what I'm saying is like the like how UConn was basically over the last six years before this year is that when those UConn teams were on their game, playing their A game, no one was ever going to even think about beating them. And I think that's kind of the case with Notre Dame. But as we saw the last two years, just because UConn is unbeatable at the top of their game doesn't mean they're going to be at the top of their game in the final four when it gets there. But yeah, I think Baylor's definitely the number two on the list. I'd probably put, uh, I guess Louisville number three, but I th- I don't think they're. I think I think if let's put it this way, I think if that game back in February was played at UConn, I think UConn wins that game, and I think on a neutral floor they're a pretty even team, and Louisville is not going to be playing for the whole. We've never beaten UConn before. Earn that first victory, I think UConn would. I'd take UConn in a rematch of that. Uh, Mississippi State with Tier McCowan is definitely dangerous, and obviously we know that uh, their coach can draw up one heck of a defensive game plan, as we saw in the Final Four. So I think they're scary. I honestly, just, I'm not that worried about Oregon. I don't think they're among the elite class with the rest of the country. I think it's really UConn, Mississippi State, notre dame louisville and baylor that are the real championship contenders
0: yeah dan i was actually going to say oregon and i think they're kind of on the fringe uh you know they just lost to stanford in the conference championship and uh they're not heading into the tournament as hot as some of these other teams but um when it comes down to the nch tournament it comes down to just having really good players and i don't know if there's anyone better in the country than Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, she's a walking triple-double, shooting over 40% from three, nearly 20 points a game. Uh, and Ruthie Hebert and Satu Sabali are, are dangerous as well. So um, I think they're they're a team that if I was Gino, I th- certainly wouldn't want to face in the tournament. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. But yeah, I'm not sure if they necessarily have the, the firepower or the experience to beat UConn, but I could definitely see them hanging with any of these teams. And um, I'm not sure if the Huskies have a serious answer for stopping Ionescu. So just because of her ability to score and distribute um, and her not having, you know, someone, there's not someone on UConn that can really, we can say for sure, like Kia Nurse, uh, you know, to lock her up. Uh, I definitely think the Ducks could be a problem.
1: My thing with the team is that, um, you know the the reason part. You know part of the reason they lost to Louisville. Part of the reason they lost to Baylor um, is you know something that we have discussed about how they don't have that you know uh, just you know mean spirited competitive takeover you know leader who can who can score buckets when they need them. Um, I think they may have some among the freshmen and sophomores, maybe one, uh, one or two, but. I um, don't know if we have that yet Naf- Nafisa is like maybe capable of being that type of person because he's a very calm you know player but nobody has shown that ability to to take over when they get you know punched and punched hard and since those losses they I still don't know if they have proven that um, so you know something to be something to be said about you know if if they uh are met with with uh equal competitor and that competitor puts them in a tight spot will they have someone who can get them out of it? I think that's still a question that remains.
2: I don't know. With the way FISA looked this weekend I think she's kind of showing but, that yeah. she's that I think
1: against ECU and USF and UC, you know, these are not tournament teams even.
2: Yeah, I agree. But I think I would have agreed with you after the Louisville and the Baylor game, but she, this is going to sound dumb, but she just had a different look about her where I think she, it's going to be, she's going to be willing to completely leave every single thing that she has on the court. And she's going to be willing to die for that, that loose ball. She's going to be willing to completely give it all. And I think it's just different than what maybe some other teams will have. I think she's really in just a completely different mindset than she was for those games. I think she realizes this is it. This is her career. It's do or die time.
1: We will of course see. Um, But that's, to me, that's the question that still needs to be answered. It's, you know, to me, it's, it's, Great that some people are stepping up and and they've been able to hold it together with without their you know one of their best players or something, but um, I still don't know you know. Well, we'll see. We will see. Of course, I'm not. I I don't doubt that they can make the final four and win it all, um, but I think if we're just talking about reasons they lost to Louisville and Baylor and. How that's different today, um, you know. To me, that was one of the key reasons, and ha- hard to see that it's different. But I, I do agree that Collier is is on another level right now. But how will that translate when it's when it's actual elimination? You know. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Thank you for listening to the brand new Yukon pod with ads. Hope you listen to the next one.